Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And you know what? We're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, what a glorious kingdom to be working in and with. Hallelujah. Listen, friend, if you're not born again, you need to accept Jesus Christ today. Do not delay. He wants to deliver you out of the power of darkness. And I'm telling you right, right now, it's going to be a pretty significant step of faith. But I'm telling you, once you're delivered out of darkness, you will be placed into the kingdom of the son of his love, the kingdom of light. You'll become a child of the light. I'm telling you, a lot of questions will be answered. Hallelujah. Come out of the dark, friend, and get in the light. Let's jump into the podcast today. I want to pick up on a theme uh, that we started last week. And last week's podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, is, or was called Fruit is Proof. And uh, I want to double down on that just a little bit and go a little bit further here. And uh, in light of the times in which we live, hallelujah, we are anticipating his glorious coming. But in particular, in 1 John, we're given some strategy about how to navigate the times of great deception. And um, one of the ways that you will know people is by their fruit. And uh, I don't want to talk about false prophets or anything like that because, uh, and, and, and specifically and in particularly, the strategies there in John apply to that. But we need to bring it back down to another level. Um, and that's how are we navigating brothers and sisters? Because in this time, come on somebody, it's imperative that we know who's running with us. Um, you know, imagine, you know, a military scenario here. <clears throat> and if your life is postured and your life is on the line, say, you want to know who's guarding your back. If somebody's supposed to be pointed in a particular direction and watching that area, they've been assigned to guard and protect, you know, this side over here, well, you can't see me, but the right side. And because your attention and your posture is turned to monitor and guard the left side, you need to have the confidence that this person over here who's protecting, you know, this side of you, this right side of you is legitimate in what they are doing. And the only way to really know, we said this last week, is you can't tell by looking at the outward whether or not somebody is genuine or not. The Bible says that fruit is proof. You will know, and not just the imposters by their fruit. Definitely, you'll know the imposters by their fruit. But you'll also know uh, where your brothers and sisters are because of the fruit that's being produced. And it's not, it's not a license to run around with your finger pointing at anything and everything. No, we, we don't do that. But in particularly, those that God has called you with, the company that you're associated and assigned to, it's imperative. He said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together for a couple things, uh, to encourage one another in love and to stir one another up for good works or for the production of fruit. Listen, the Father is after fruit, and it's going to be problematic if we're not seeing the fruit of righteousness in our midst. Uh, several scriptures that I'm thinking of where he said, look, it should not even be named among you, certain activities, attitudes, um, you know, certain, uh, um, yeah, sins, basically. He said, look, amongst this group, that should not be a fruit being produced. And so you and I are called to be fruit inspectors. Again, we're not going around pointing our finger like, you know, we've got everything together. But the devil will use that pushback to keep people from doing a thorough and an honest inspection of people's lives. He'll use the scripture. He'll push back and say, well, yeah, yeah. You know, well, what, what about the, uh, you know, toothpick in your eye? Well, sometimes that is literally the rejection of inspection. 
It's saying, well, you don't have a right to inspect me because you have your own problems. Um, and the enemy uses that some, sometimes viciously to push back on any kind of an uh, inspection. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of elements to this. We're going to navigate. The Holy Spirit is going to help us here. We're going to communicate what we need to. But uh, I want to double down on the fact that fruit is proof. And if we're called to run together, if you and I are in a body, uh, look at Ephesians 4.16. Let me, yeah, let's just start here. Ephesians 4.16. And here he says that we are joined and knit together. We are joined, I'm trying to get there, joined and knit together by what every uh, joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, there's some profound realities here that you and I are not dependent. And I think I said this last week that in this time, listen, there are no lone rangers. Anybody that's a lone ranger is a wolf, okay? God is calling the body together. And uh, so we are not dependent. We are interdependent, okay? We need each other because you're not going to get what you need without another. That's how the body is put together. The body is designed that we help one another out. And there's something that I don't have unless I connect with you. Now, with that reality comes the heightened, the heightened, that's probably not a word, but with that, without with that reality, there is a heightened awareness then at what be, is being injected into the source of supply that we're all feeding on. Again, this is not about paranoia, and people can go crazy and bonkers, but, but, the, but we need to get Father's perspective that we don't want any, anything that's outside to taint the supply that's being made available for everybody. And as you've probably heard this, that as the head goes so goes the body. And it's imperative that uh, people are open for inspection. And he does this uh, through the various levels of accountability and leadership. Um, there is always going to be somebody that you and I are submitted to. And that person is submitted to somebody. And that person is submitted to somebody or somebody's uh, leadership should be held accountable because of various levels and structures of accountability and authority, and they are submitted to inspection. Just the same way as we, we would expect uh, somebody that we're working with, that they would submit themselves to inspection and to be held accountable. I myself, as a leader, must submit myself to be held accountable and be transparent and vulnerable with somebody somewhere so that they can inspect my fruit. This is how it works in the kingdom. Nobody gets around that system because of the ecosystem. The It's a derivative of the word oikos, it's household. God has a system in his household in which there's checks and balances and righteousness, righteous living and righteous fruit because fruit is the end game here. Uh, fruit that is worthy of the father. Uh, fruit that is the response to righteousness, fruit that is the derivative of a changed life. And in this ecosystem in which you and I are interdependent, then there is, again, there is levels of authority. There are structures of accountability, and it's to keep out any contaminants that would taint the fruit. Don't you know the devil would love to spoil the whole thing? And uh, again, as the head goes, so goes the body. And wherever there are these levels of headship, uh, authority, and those who are submitted under, to, under that uh, authority, it's imperative that whoever stands or operates in a position of authority lays themselves uh, uh, in a position of vulnerability that their fruit can be inspected. So um, uh, we kind of want to jump into this because I've noticed that there's a lot of pushback on inspection. And uh, if you got nothing to hide, then there shouldn't be any pushback. See, the father is the vine dresser. It says, Jesus is the vine. 
we are the branches. It's the father that is looking over this, this whole uh, ecosystem, this whole oikos, this whole arrangement here. And he's the one that's doing the pruning. It is a real thing that the father would inspect the vine and the branches and the fruit, and he would prune or remove anything that is not worthy of what he's doing. And uh, it should not be foreign to us that father would use people, uh, leadership, the word, various levels. You know, people say, well, you know, I would submit to God. Well, God's using people in your life, leaders. He's using the system of accountability. He's using the layers of authority to literally be his hands and feet, to bring up a thing, to hold you accountable. And uh, uh, all of this is working together. Father is using all of this. He's working it together so that the branches will bear, come on, the best fruit. Hallelujah. Worthy, come on, of the Father. And uh, it's just a reality. But I'm noticing a lot of pushback on that. And um, obviously, ultimately, uh, that would be Antichrist. Um, because the Antichrist doesn't want to expose his schemes or the uh, leaven, which leavens the whole lump. I mean, a lot of this stuff tries to go um, and work undercover because n nothing festers in the light, right? Only in darkness do nefarious schemes and temptations and trip-ups and the little foxes and things like, like, like that. It's only under the cover of darkness that these things are persisting. So once we get things into the light, see, accountability is just about getting things into the light. If you get it into the light, it'll begin to heal. If you get it into the light, then restoration can come. And we, we want to open up ourselves to that. So I want to encourage you, fruit is proof. And um, don't deny inspection. The father is going to look through the leaves and he's going to look over the fruit. And he's going to look through the branches He's going to trim out in, in anything that's going to hurt you. And though it may be painful, we need to yield to Father's pruning. So um, we said this, I think we use this verse, John 13, 35. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world. God is all about proving. Uh, you know, he's less about saying, come on. He's more about proving. He would rather you do a thing than just say a thing. A lot of people mentally um, uh, agree with a lot of things. They'll say, yeah, I believe in that. But what's the proof of that? Well, there's a visible, there's an acknowledgeable, there will be a literal fruit of a thing. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, something that stood out to me here in, in my notes was you prove relationships. To the world stood, stood out to me. The world obviously is carnal-minded and oblivious to strictly spiritual reality, so there must be some visible evidence of this, uh, of this for this to be proven out. There must be more that proves who we are and whose we are than just mere words. Then we looked at the principle of fruit, and we said this, fruit is proof. Again, you will not be able to differentiate just looking on someone's external, but you cannot hide indefinitely what's inside. And this is the principle that if it's a good tree, that good will come out of it. If it's a bad tree, bad fruit will come out of it. It looks to be something on the outside, but eventually what's on the inside Remember, we found this out in Matthew, that out of the abundance of the heart, come on, something is produced. It says the mouth speaks, but out of the abundance of the heart will come the corresponding fruit. Matthew seven sixteen and 17, he says, you will fully recognize them by their fruit. I mean, they, they may look the par, they may act the par. Remember in Timothy, we're talking about in perilous times, he says they have a form of godliness. He said, you'll fully recognize them by their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? 
Even so, every healthy, sound tree bears good fruit worthy of admiration, but the sickly, decaying, or worthless tree bears bad, worthless fruit. And we put the principle of fruit being the proof of who you are with this verse in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise your youth. Now, last week, I said this, and I just wanted to submit this, but I don't think uh, the Bible says youth, but I think really what Paul was addressing, we'll see it in the rest of this verse, is he was encouraging Timothy, don't let anybody despise your diligence or your dedication in these matters. He said, be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spiritual things, in faith, and in purity. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that, watch this, your progress may be evident to all. Paul made it very clear by way of Holy Spirit that your progress in these things, your progress in purity, faith, spiritual things, love, your conduct, the way you uh, conduct yourself, your word, all these things, your progress in these things should be evident to all. There is a work or a spiritual progress that is visible. It's intentionally visible. Why? Because of the principle that you'll know people by their fruit. People can say a thing, but their actions prove otherwise. How are you able to differentiate between what somebody says and what's actually going on on the inside? Is because after a period of time, you'll be able to connect the fruit with really what's going on on the inside of a person. He says this, that it's going to be evident. It's your progress is going to be evident. Now, when it comes to these checks and balances, again, we're not going around saying, you know, pointing fingers at somebody and saying, you are stupid. No, but we're saying that your growth in uh, spiritual things, your growth in the word, uh, your growth in, um, what did he say? He said, your growth in your conduct, your growth in purity, these things are, should be measurable. We should be able to track your progress and the fruit of righteousness in your life is undeniable reality that this person has received the word of the Lord. They've taken the word of the Lord seriously. They've guarded their hearts. They've guarded the word in their heart. And as a result, what was in their heart has borne fruit. Um, man, I tell you, as I'm just thinking about this now, I'm just realizing uh, how many people do not want to be held accountable for their actions. But here we're told, look, this progress should be evident and we're measuring your progress by the available fruit. Meaning you should bear the fruit of the spirit. You should not, as a born-again believer, after a period of time, it should be obvious that the works of the flesh are diminishing and the fruits of the Spirit are evident. If there seems to be an abundance of the works of the flesh, in contrast to an abundance of the fruits of the Spirit, one would have to uh, consider what is this person doing or not doing. Listen, because we're an ecosystem. And if I have to share in your supply and you're sharing in my supply, then we are committing here. We are agreeing to a collaborative relationship that you and I are going to work together to bear fruit that is worthy of the Father. I think I said this last week, that uh, the knee has every right to question what the stomach is calling food because certain foods, come on, cause inflammation. And the knee or the ankle or the joints can't do their work if the stomach isn't held accountable for its definition of food. The knee has every right to, stay, to, to say to the stomach, hey, you're hurting me. And uh, an appeal can be made to the council, come on, to the headship. Hey, 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 look, whatever the mouth and the stomach is feasting on is creating an environment that is not leading to righteousness, but unrighteousness. And at some point, the members in the body are going to have to say, look, this ought not be so. 
because we're working together, but the environment is such that if you don't consider what you're doing, you're inadvertently affecting my ability to fulfill what God has called me to do in this body. So the, these are real-time conversations um, that are happening. And as a result of those who are saying, yeah, I realize I am not dependent. I'm not a lone ranger in this body. Those who realize that they are called to sacrificially work together for the purposes of Heavenly Father. Come on, he's the one working for the intended fruit. You and I are not choosing what fruit we want to bear. Father is working with us through the vine. Come on. And we are just the vessels, if, if you will. We're the branches. We're the willing branch saying, look, whatever you're doing, I'll bear the fruit of it. So we're not working uh, as lone rangers here, choosing what fruit we want to do. Father has orchestrated what fruit we should be producing. And then we all work together as an ecosystem to bear that kind of fruit. Now, again, this can go all the way down to the individual level. And at that level, yes, Father's working with you. But when he places you in a body, it's no longer just you and Father working together. It's you and everybody else, all the members, all the unique pieces and parts of, 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 of that body. They come into a covenantal agreement that we're going to work together because Father has placed in the body as he wills. You and I didn't choose necessarily to be in the body that we're a part of. But it's understood that we're going to covenantal, covenantally work together and produce the fruit Father has orchestrated us to produce together. Maybe that's a demonstration of the particular assignment uh, that's on your church or your ministry or your town, your city, your state, whatever. And those individual parts who think they're islands unto themselves, you can see uh, even the catastrophic uh, results if they don't work together as a whole because of the ecosystem. This is why I said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. If there's ever been a time where you and I have to live transparent before one another, it is now. The consequences are too dire. The cost is too great um, to keep certain things hidden. God will not allow it because of the collateral damages. So he said, again, don't let anybody despise your devotion to these matters. Don't let anybody despise the fact that what you are producing is going to be evident and you need not be shamed into prioritizing purity because your works are going to be evident. Your righteousness or the lack thereof at some level is going to be displayed. And if you choose the route of purity in these matters, don't let people despise your devotion. John 15, here we are right here. Jesus, he's saying, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You see that there? You are not going to bear fruit in this sense independently of being connected to the vine. And that's the macro. But even in the micro, if God's called you to a body, you are not going to bear fruit if you alienate yourself from that body. That ecosystem is working together to bear the intended fruit because God sees that church, that ministry, or whatever as one. And so uh, the, these are reasons to make sure that you are connected in the right place and that you're, you take responsibility for your part bearing the righteousness worthy of the Father within that ecosystem. He says, abide in me. You cannot bear fruit of yourself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now in James 1.22, uh, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Weymouth trans translation says this, watch this. But prove yourselves obedient to the message. 
and do not be mere hearers of it, imposing a delusion upon yourself. Listen, people are thinking that um, I can do whatever I want and whatever I do and the consequences thereof is just on me and no one else. No, he says this, you have to prove yourself obedient. This comes back to then if you have to prove it, then there must be something that is can be substantiated as the proof. There must be a resulting fruit based on what you're saying. And people say, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Nobody is going to inspect me. Well, then you're bordering on delusion because your progress is to be evident. Your fruit is to be plentiful and available for inspection. Your fruit, because of the ecosystem, because our supply uh, it gives nourishment to the rest of the, of the uh, body, it is imperative that we are producing the fruit that is going to supply into righteousness and not bring a diminishing or work against God's intended outcomes for that situation. He said, prove yourself obedient. Listen, wow, people do not want to hear this, but I'm telling you, it's going to increase. There will be an expectation that you are proving your obedience to him. He said that you have to prove yourself obedient to the message. And who is checking up on this? God's levels, his structures of authority and accountability. Now, how do you prove yourself obedient? By doing. That's what he said. By doing. The logical fallacy here is that hearing is enough. Hearing is not enough. You must hear and produce fruit in accordance with what you had heard. We're, we're, we're talking about the seed of the word. It is expected. It is expected that the word would bear fruit of itself, that the, the seed of the word would produce after itself. It is expected. And wow, there is such a reasoning going on. There is, there is such a justification for why there is a lack of fruit after a period of time when, you, when the seed of the word had been sown and there's a discrepancy between the amount of the seed that's been sown and the amount of the fruit which is produced. What happens? This is the logical fallacy. People assume hearing is enough. And when somebody begins to drill in, wait a second, here's the expectation of the word, but where's the resulting fruit in accordance to the word? And when you begin to drill down into that and begin to inspect the fruit, this is where people get uncomfortable. But again, you're not an island to yourself. We are an oikos, we're a household, an ecosystem, and we are interdependent upon one another, not dependent. So again, he says, do not be mere hearers imposing a delusion upon yourself. Now, we need to define this word. And uh, some years ago, I took the time to really dig into this word. And here's a functioning definition of, uh, a root definition of what delusion is. Delusion is this, a way of thinking that is resistant to confrontation with truth. Delusion is a way of thinking that is resistant to confrontation with truth. Listen, the very word of God calls for obedience to it. Why? Because it's, it's a seed. And in that seed is a destiny. And that destiny is fruit. <laughs> You understand that seed is wanting to uh, unpack itself and produce fruit. It, that seed of the word wants to get into the soil of your heart. It wants to open up, put down roots, begin to grow up and become something. We found out uh, one of the mysteries was that like the seed, of, the seed of faith, even though it was a small seed, when it became full grown, all kinds of things would be able to take shelter in its branches. The seed of the word desires to grow up to become this, this, this life-giving, fruit-bearing 
um, reality in your life. The seed of the word calls for obedience to it. It doesn't get into your heart and say, you know what? I don't, I don't care if they bear fruit. No, no, no. The seed itself is beckoning for its own destiny that it would bear fruit after itself. So this is why I'm saying it's, it's quite delusional for somebody to think that hearing is enough and would be caught off guard when somebody would say, hey, show me the fruit of the seed of the word in your life. Show me the fruit of the seed of purity in your life. Show me the fruit of the seed of prosperity in your life. Show me the fruit of the seed of healing in your life because the word is, is, is desirous. Uh, the word longs to produce the fruit of itself. The greatest danger in all of this is the self-deception or the self-delusion that comes as a result of not acting upon what you believe to be true. James 1.25, he says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, this one will be blessed in what he does. Look at James 4.17. To him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. The New Living Translation says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do but then not do it. You know, this kind of sounds like John 9, 41. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But since you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Now, we've been talking about uh, a theme I've been talking about in our ministry that uh, Jesus wants his body back. And uh, the head of the church wants his body back. Listen, there are, uh, there's been too much um, insubordination. Again, because the father is the vine dresser. He's working through the vine that the branches would bear fruit. Everybody has, has to yield themselves or submit themselves to the vine and then the vine dresser. And Jesus wants his body back and he's working to bring that alignment. And, uh, we're aligning with our roots so that we can finish up work in the earth. And I believe uh, there's a great purification coming. Again, I want to go back to Paul's admonition to Timothy. Listen, don't let anybody despise you in purity. Uh, something that we, we've been uh, talking about amongst ourselves, that we've been picking up some things in the spirit is the consecration. Uh, remember back in Joshua, he said, you've never been this way before, but we're going this way now. And then he said this, Tell the people to consecrate themselves. Listen, every time you're on the verge of a new thing, a new level, a faith to faith, a glory to glory, uh, a new era, God says, look, in order to go on in, into that, you need to consecrate yourself. Double check. Make sure that you are sanctified, you're pure, you're ready to go into the thing that I am desirous to bring you into. In order to stand up, you may have been able to get away with some stuff in the last season, but as you go further, he calls you to a deeper level of purification. Greater glory, come on, greater consecration. There are some things, and in his mercy and in, in our immaturity, uh, it seems like we got by with in the last season. But in order to go on into greater levels and demonstration of his presence and his glory, remember he said no flesh can get glory. No flesh can stand up in my presence. God is inviting us into greater manifestations and demonstrations of his glory, his power, and his presence. But in light of that, he's drawing attention to impurities in our life, which would hurt us. I mean, it would be foolish of him to say, hey, that issue in your life is no big deal. Come on into my presence. He, it, 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 it would hurt us. His, his, his glory is a pure, <laughs> it would, yeah, it would not be good. He's saying, look, I want you to come up here, but we're going to have to address this. And so we willingly say, wow, he's inviting us up higher. He's calling us, come up here. There's a greater consecration and purification process. Don't let anybody despise that process in your life. Pressure is being applied for us to consider our ways to examine what displeases 
and what pleases the Lord. We want to emphasize those things that please him and move away from those things that displease him. I always like to make this clear whenever we talk about these kinds of subjects, that God is not a fan of sin. In Isaiah 59, 2, he says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Notice the implications. The sin has done this. Uh, the point of contention here is the separation. God is not pleased. He, he's calling us to himself, but he's saying, look, this issue is the separating issue. Sin separates, and sin divides families. God hates to be separated. God doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate me, but he, but he might hate what we are doing, <laughs> especially when he's calling us up to greater glory because the impurities, if we hang on to the impurities, then he just simply can't bring us up into greater things. Proverbs 8.3 says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Persistent sinning is simply a lack of the fear of the Lord. And Lord, help us with that. And because God hates sin so, he will at some point and on some level, uh, some level get involved in his family's affairs to sort things out. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Again, sin puts you at odds with God. Verse 5 of Hebrews 12, he says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without, meaning if you refute or reject God's chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. We need to watch for the principle, Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him uh, diligently and punishes him early, the Amplified said, or promptly. Um, there's a minister that recently I've been listening to, and uh, one of the things that the Lord revealed to them was to not let something go for long. Uh, we need to be quick to uh, speak up and speak about and speak into situations, in particular those that are within our responsibility. We're not talking about looking on the TV and finding somebody you disagree with, unrelated, you're not called to run with them, you're not associated with them in, in any way, and sending them nasty grams. Um, you know, have no opinion where you have no responsibility. Have no opinion where you have no responsibility. But if you have responsibility and you're part of an ecosystem, you're part of a household, then you need to move on the word of God and you need to move promptly uh, and you need to move uh, diligently because the principle is if you spare correction, you're not loving that person persisting in a dangerous activity. Uh, tolerance is hate. Um, and this is the world is spinning this right now the, uh, because the world does not want to be inspected. They're a God unto themselves. They're an island unto themselves. They don't want to have the conversation that their actions have implications. They don't want to be aware of the collateral damage because it's all about them, what makes them happy, what makes them feel good. Um, but so, 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 uh, but that shouldn't be so in, in the kingdom. We're to move in particularly where we have responsibility. We're to move quickly, we're to move diligently, and that is love in action. What's the fruit of love? Then I'm going to bring correction to you because you're headed in the wrong direction. The New Living Translation says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children, but those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs 3.12 says, 
for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The principle, again, love does not tolerate sin. The Lord is uh, going to hold our feet to the fire. When you understand that this is the love of God to be corrected, you'll welcome it. Um, When you recognize that it is the love of God when correction comes into your life, you'll welcome it. I remember a situation when one of my children actually came and asked for discipline because of something that they did. See, they're not attributing the pain of the pruning as something that works against them. They associated that the pruning was actually going to benefit them, the discipline. And sometimes when God removes a thing out of our life, it's very painful. It could be tedious. It's things we don't want to address or avoid. You know, we don't want to address them. We would rather avoid it. Um, But when you associate God's dealings in your life as he's helping you to bear more fruit, then you'll, 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 you'll even re request it. You'll go looking for the pruning rather than keeping a thing that really is going to rob you hidden in the dark. You'll bring it out into the light and you'll say, examine me. Oh God, is there any unclean thing in me? Look at my hands. Uh, check me out, God. And you'll even welcome this in leadership because he uses structures and levels of leadership and authority to accomplish this very purpose in our lives. Um, we, we looked at this last week in James 2. What is the use or the profit, my brethren, for anyone to profess to have faith if he has no good works to show for it? Can such faith save his soul? If a brother or sister is poorly clad and lacks food for each day, and one of you says to him, goodbye, keep yourself warm and well-fed without giving him the necessities for the body, what good does that do? So also faith, if it does not have works or deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, or we could say this, the resulting fruit, by itself is destitute of power, it is inoperative, it's dead. Are you willing to be shown proof? This is verse 20. What is this? This is James 2, 20 in the Amplified. Are you willing to be shown proof? And he says this, you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellow, that faith apart from good works is inactive, ineffective, and worthless. Are you willing to embrace that fruit is proof? When you associate that there should be a subsequent fruit born out of the truth of the scriptures, then you will do whatever is necessary to get that fruit produced. Um, Notice what he said in Galatians 6. If you sow to the flesh, guess what? There's going to be a resulting fruit. You're going to reap destruction. And uh, But if you sow to the spirit, guess what? You'll reap Uh, it says eternal life, which is Zoe, but you will reap the reality of the life of the spirit. Are you willing to be shown proof? Uh, James 2, 24, he says this, you see that a man is is, is justified or pronounced righteous before God through what he does and not alone through faith, through works of obedience as well as by what he believes. And I can hear it now. Someone's misquoting what I'm saying, saying Pastor Justin is teaching works. No, I'm saying that fruit is proof. If your life cannot be summarized by the fruit, by righteousness, you're not righteous. The fruit of the spirits, excuse me, the fruit of the spirit is a great indicator and a reasonable point in someone's life that they are who they say they are. Again, it's not about perfection. We said this, oh, Justin, you know, it, it, well, Justin must be perfect. No, it's not about perfection, but it is about maturity. Remember, Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. At this level, listen, friends, at this level, um, it's getting real. And uh, trust me, we're at the age of accountability now. Hallelujah. You're no longer a child. 
Now, if you are new to the faith, you're recently uh, born again, um, then the Lord works with you as such. But when you come to that point where God says, hey, Justin, it's time to put away childish things. It's time to uh, come up a level. Then the reality is that there will be um, the burden of proof. It's not about perfection, but it is about maturity. It's about the proof or the fruit of pursuit. Verse 25, what is this? If he, uh, James 2, 25, he said, So also with Rahab the harlot, was she not shown to be justified, pronounced righteous before God by good deeds? And when she took in the scouts or the spies and sent them away by a different route, for as the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its works of obedience is also dead. Listen, faith is proven by the accompanying deeds or the fruit is proof that somebody believes what they say they believe. Second Peter 2, 1 and verse 5, it says, for this, very re- uh, for this very reason, give all diligence and add to your faith. Watch this. Virtue to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Uh, We can add in to add to your faith to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, he said, you've there has to be resulting fruit. You have to be diligent to add to your faith. You have to add to what you're saying, your confessions, etc. You have to add the reality that there should be resulting and accompanying fruit on what I believe, what I'm saying, and what I'm doing. Or, if you're not watchful, being a hearer only, and you don't care about any resulting fruit. He said that'll lead to short-sightedness and even to blindness, or in another place, delusion or deception. James 1.22, here's, here's that verse. Be doers and not hearers only, lest you deceive yourselves. Um, I think I'm going to close there, and I want to leave you with this here. You should be uh, somewhat stirred in your spirit that you yourselves are bearing fruit. Again, right now, we're not talking about pointing the finger at somebody else. You can, at least right now, examine yourself. But it is a reasonable expectation that those that you're uniquely associated with that there is fruit that is evident and visible to all of the production of righteousness. Hallelujah. And so we thank you, Father, for helping us in these days to navigate these days. And uh, I would be watchful. I would be prayerful about my association with those that reject any and all pruning processes. Hallelujah. Again, there's levels and structures of authority, checks and balances. Everybody is going to yield to somebody to have their fruit inspected. It may not be your immediate responsibility to inspect the fruit of someone else, um, but those people who are over you, you need to have every confidence that they have somebody they're submitted to that is evaluating the fruit in their life, their ministry, their marriages, their business dealings, their whatever. Anybody who rejects inspection, I just have, 
I would just caution you on that person long-term. Yield yourself to inspection. Hallelujah. And listen, the inspection process is all about the production of more and greater fruit. Hallelujah. And that's my prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. Father, we want to bear fruit that is worthy of the Heavenly Father, worthy of you. Hallelujah. Fruit that is distinguishing us as sons. Hallelujah. Fruit, come on, that is distinguishing us as holy. Fruit that is distinguishing us as righteous. Hallelujah. Oh, man, that there would be such an abounding fruit that anybody would know who and whose we are. Father, help us in this in the name of Jesus. I like to pray this, uh, this verse here, and I phrase it like this. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're helping me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Hallelujah. He's even going to help me will it. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, man. Oh, I'm thinking of that, that verse too that the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Listen, you'll have access to fruit if you're willing and obedient. And the fruit will abound in you and through you. All right, friends, hey, if we can help you in any way, it would be our honor to do so. Several ways you can reach out to us, uh, particularly if you want us to stand and agree with you in prayer concerning something in your life. Listen, we're two or more are in agreement and uh, touching something. Hallelujah, there's great power made available through fervent prayer of righteous people. So if we could do that for you, stand with you, call us 870-741-9099. You can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Again, I want to thank all of our partners, our supporters, anybody who has financially contributed or you've prayed for us, you've interceded for us, you have believed in us, you've petitioned heaven, hallelujah, to get the podcast to the right people at the right time. We consider you one of our partners. We're so grateful. If you would like to participate in any way in partnering with the podcast, several ways to do that. Of course, just pray for us. We invite you to pray for us. But if you'd like to financially contribute, uh, if you text to give, you can do that. If you're in the United States, you can text 84321. Follow the prompts. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, or you can send us something in the mail, P.O. Box seven harrison arkansas 72602 all right friends thank you so much this has been the grace for uh, blah, 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 hallelujah this has been the grace for this city podcast and until next time be blessed